Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. During challenging times, it is easy to focus on the things that divide us. But the Apostle Paul reminds us that we are united with Christ, united in purpose, and united with each other. Enjoy this week's message. Well, it's hard to believe, but we're in week four, so I want to welcome you to week four of our United series. I want to welcome those that are in video venues here at our Keller campus, leaders, people serving others, making room, making space for others, our 1230 service, and of course, I want to welcome all of those that are watching online. We have so many of our church families still participating online and many of you new every week that are joining us for the journey. Would you guys put your hands together and welcome all those that are joining us again today. We're glad that you're with us. For some of you that are new, let me catch you up. This book of Ephesians, it's really rich. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul. He's in prison. He went to this area of Ephesus, a port city there, He went there, there was a lot of idol worship, darkness, and the light of the gospel message of Jesus Christ shines brightest in the darkest of places. It always has. And even though there was great darkness, the light shined in that place, and there was a group of people who professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and Paul loved them. I mean, it created a stir because the kingdom of God always creates a stir wherever it goes. So there was some things going on, but Paul gets thrown in prison and he's writing back to them. And I hope you see the the father heart of Paul as he's writing to them. His desire for them is that they get grounded, that they get rooted. In fact, he keeps praying that for them, that they would get rooted and grounded in the love of God. And he keeps telling them, as any father would, he keeps telling them, here's who, who you are now. Here's who you are. So we learn some things. And by the way, the the term united, where does that come from? Was that just a cool brand? No, it's a theme of the book, unity. That's what we all want in our homes, in our lives, in our hearts. But this book tells us how that we can actually have it. And so Paul starts talking to them and sharing with them what took place in their lives. And we learn through these last few weeks that we can be in Christ and what it means to be in Christ, no longer identified by something else. We learned that we can be included in Christ's plan. We learned that we can know him better. That's mind-blowing for a lot of people. I know there's people probably listening to me this weekend. You're like, know him, like, like know Jesus, and like Jesus wants to know me? I thought this was just a religious set of activities. Like he gives the rules, we try to keep them or at least act like we are. We do enough good rules and then one day we go to heaven and God kind of balances out the good with the bad. That's religion and a lot of religions operate on that. Jesus had a totally different life. Jesus said, you can't keep any of the rules anyway. All of us know we can. So I came and I gave my life. I became one of you. I lived the perfect life that you couldn't live. I paid the price that you owed, by the way, but you couldn't pay, and I paid it for you, and I finished it. Now what I ask of you is that you accept me and my life, my perfect life, for your imperfect life. And now you have unrighteousness, and you know you feel guilty, but I want to make an exchange with you and trade my perfect life and my righteousness for your unrighteousness. 
That's the message of the gospel. I don't know if you've heard it, but that is the message that's preached all the way through and specifically here in the book of Ephesians. And yet it speaks to all of us today, even if we know that message and we've received that message, that we can know him better because he's a relational God and we can continue on that journey of knowing him better. And so we learn that and we learn that we're not only now translated into this different relationship with God, we're saved we're born again, we're new creations, we've learned that we have an inheritance, that we're adopted as sons and daughters. Are you hearing who you are now? That's not what the enemy's going to tell you, but that's who Paul is telling them and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is telling us. And then we learn that we can actually not only be known, but we can be strengthened because we are seated with him in heavenly places. Our strength doesn't come from ourselves. We are strengthened by way of the fact that we are seated with him in the heavenly realms. And so we learned a lot about who we are, whose we are, who God is, as we know more about who God is, who Jesus is, and we know more about who we are. So we learned a lot about the who. And then last week, we learned about some how. How is God distributing this great message and this beautiful picture of who God is? How's he getting that message out today? So many frustrated people today, and I think a lot of people are frustrated because they don't know the plan. The plan is not he who posts the most. If we'll get enough posts out there, then everybody will change. That's not working. It's through the church. That's his plan. You know, I would be frustrated too if I was operating according to some worldly strategy that doesn't produce any results. I'd be mad too. But if I know the plan, and it's God's plan, and by the way, he has a pretty good track record of his plans working out (laughs) through the church. We talked about how. Now you're going, okay, how through the church he's going to display the manifold wisdom and greatness of God. We're going to go even more practical this week, and we're going to talk about what is the church supposed to be doing? Any action-oriented people out there? I'm kind of a nuts and bolts guy. I'm sorry. I don't really... I can only pay attention so long if it's theoretical. I've got to know what are we trying to do? Because I've learned through experience, whatever you fail at long enough, you eventually quit. So you, I, I'm one of these going, what are we trying to do? What's the goal? Where are we trying to head? What's all this about? Why are we doing this? We're coming. We're giving our time. We're listening to this bald guy talk. What are we trying to do? What are we trying to do? But one of the big keys of what God's trying to do in our lives is our word for this week, and that is that we might be equipped. Equipped. That's one of the purposes for the church is through the way this organism works that you, every person listening to me, you have the possibility and potential to be equipped. Now, I know we do what we want to do, so I've got to motivate you a little bit because we will get equipped for that which we deem important. So there are things you don't know how to do now that if you see value in it, you will get someone to tell you how to do it. I don't know what that is in your life, but we can all think of something that we didn't know how to do, but we deemed it important. So we got some training, we got some equipping, we got somebody that knows how to do it that we don't know knows how to do it and we don't know how, but they do, so we kind of got around them. We got some information, we download a YouTube video, we try to figure it out. One of the areas that you will quickly 
recognize your need for equipping is if a baby is coming into your life. When we, had our, we got pregnant with our first child, my wife got that big old mother Bible. It's called What to Expect. Come on, ladies. What to Expect When You Are Expecting. And we're thumbing through, whoo, man, whoo, ah, gee, ah, whoo, man, what to expect. Wow, whoo, we're expecting a lot here. And we learned some things about it. And we learned some things from the book, but the book didn't tell us all the answers. There's some learn on the job training that happens in it. And so we started learning about it. And then along the way, after four kids, we got some equipping along the way as we put our hands to the task and to the job. And we made some mistakes and we had some ups and downs, but we figured it out a little bit here and there. We're just praying that we didn't mess these people up somehow. Y'all know what I'm saying. But, interesting enough, my youngest is 10 years old now. My oldest is in her 20s. And so the other day, there's a, a young family in our church, young lady who's kind of like a daughter to us a little bit. My wife, uh, actually, she just had her first child. And I haven't had a chance to hold the baby yet. So my daughters were there in the room when I got ready to hold the baby and Emma, her name is Maddie May. She's a middle name named after my wife, and we're connected to them. And so this, they kind of like think this is like their, a little bit like their sister, you know, so they're real protective. And she had a big Texas-sized bow, and my girls are there, and they're like, I'm getting ready to hold the baby. And they're like, Dad, Dad, wait a minute. You don't know how to do that. He'll, Dad, you have to hold her head. I'm looking at them. They're like, Dad, you got to be careful. Dad, you're big. You could hurt her, Dad. You don't. Dad, it's not casual. So I, I just showed them that I'm equipped. And in fact, I, I'm so equipped at holding babies, I make a seat for the baby when I sit with them, okay? You know what I'm saying? I, I, just, I just got them right there. And by, by the way, they're just, they're just kind of mesmerized. He knows how to do it. I said, who do you think held you? You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> they, they forgot. Okay, you were baby what's? I, I didn't change your diaper a lot because I'm not in that department. You know, I try to excuse myself from there, but... But, but why am I saying this? I'm saying that in life we encounter situations and the more motivated we are toward that situation, the more we desire to be equipped. And my question for you is, are you equipped for your assignment in the kingdom? Are you assi the assignment God has for you, the potential he has for you, the giftings he's placed in you, what God wants to do in your life? By the way, are you equipped for the coming storms that are awaiting you? Are you equipped for the life that God's intended for you to live? And maybe you've never even contemplated that that's what all this is about for you to get equipped. That's what it's all about. That's the whole strategy God has. And so you say, I don't know if I really believe that, Pastor. Well, I want to show you here in Ephesians 4.11. It says before this that Jesus went to heaven and he left gifts. It says that he gave, in some versions it says he gave some. Here it says Jesus himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. So, so what's the job of these people? By the way, I love the version that says he gave some so that all these other people. The best way to think about it is there's a few of these people and a whole lot of the other. He gave some of these giftings. We'll just call them like the professional Christians. These are the ones that are supposed to be doing what? Talking, 
building their own platforms? Like, that, what, what are these people supposed to do? Look spiritual, just do weddings, funerals, events, preach on television? Like, what's their job description? What are these people supposed to be doing? Well, it says here, to equip his people for works of service. Some versions say to equip people for the work of the ministry. You're like, whoa, whoa, preacher, hold on just a minute. Like the ministry, isn't that like like special people that are called in? No, no, no. Scripturally speaking, the strategy of God is that he has a few people who equip the many to do God's work in the earth. Says here, so that the body of Christ may be built up. You want to see a picture? If you want to get some hope for our dark world, this is God's plan. This is his picture. What is it? When we get equipped, when we get built up, we will reach a place of unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's a lot of people out there have a lot of ideas about how God changes the world. Like, what's going to happen? Will we have some super concert? Will we have some super meeting? Will some eloquent person just get up there and pontificate the messages of Jesus and everybody gets saved? Will there be some worldwide, widespread phenomena that happens? Well, well, I see here that the most evangelistic, world-changing, light-penetrating-the-darkness entity on the earth is an equipped church. It's an equipped church. And it says here, it shows, I love that, it shows the fullest, most graphic, most distinct picture of Christ. You know why? The world looks at that and says, it can't be fabricated. That's not based on the gift of a few. Man, that can't happen for all those people from every ethnicity, every background, every socioeconomic background, different skills, some lost, some atheists, some from different places who come into a place where they understand who Jesus is, they get equipped, and then they love one another with the love that Jesus has for us, the same love that comes to us with which God the Father loves Jesus, they love with that kind of agape love, man. The world goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I've never seen that. It's impactful. Then we will no longer be infants. You know, infants have a tendency, young babies, they, they'll, they'll just, they're, they're totally at the mercy of someone else's idea. They, 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 they can, whatever may be false can be believed as true. They just have an instability. It says we shouldn't be that. Tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, every single thought that comes across the internet and some new thing, this, no, by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love. If there's no truth, there will be no stability. We will grow to, be, to, to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And look at this. From him, that's Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows. There's kind of a world today where it's like if something grows, there must be something wrong. No, healthy things grow. 
It's not a matter of if it's growing. Look what it says here. If it's growing with equipped people, if it's growing with people who are being trained in righteousness, if it's growing in people who have a greater understanding of the head, Jesus Christ, it says this, they're held together, it grows, and it builds itself up in love. As contrary as it could be that, man, something's growing and that's bad, it could be, according to Scripture, if it's growing by equipped, trained people who are walking in God's purpose for their life, there's more love for a dark world. There's more hope for people who have no hope. I'm so thankful we watched this testimony. Somebody on a prayer team, we just witnessed a lady get baptized in this service because somebody on a prayer team used their gift to reach out to somebody in their hour and she said, I now receive Jesus and I have hope. So guess what? An equipped church is a hope distributor. It is a love distributor. It says this, and you say, man, I really want that. I don't want the church just to grow and not be healthy and be right. And you can be an answer to your own prayer. As each part does its work. As each part does its work. Do you know your part? Do you know your part in his heart? Are you operating in that part? Are you functioning in what he's called you to do? So this week, we're gonna talk a little bit about getting built up. I know you wanna be equipped. I, I know at a, at a deep level, we know this. I really do. I know that we know that without some equipping, we, we, we're not, we know we're not prepared to really share the message of Jesus with our friends. We're not really prepared to be what God's called us to be at work. We're, we're not prepared in our marriages naturally. We don't just, you know, just kind of just end up there. We're not prepared for parenting. We're not prepared for the important things in life. We spend so much of our energy getting equipped for our careers. We spend so much of our energy getting equipped for our hobbies. We spend so much energy being equipped for all of the things in leisure that we worship, but we don't spend the energy getting equipped for what we care about most. We don't, we don't spend that energy, but I know we want to, because at some point in life you realize, man, I need something outside of me to help me with all this stuff. And it's available for you. But you have to have a little bit of a mindset shift, because I think in our Western suburban culture, it's hard for us to put ourselves in that context of that letter coming from Paul into that, 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 that different century mindset where they were much more communal and relational. So let me give you a few thoughts that I think we need to adjust. What keeps us from being equipped? Number one, a lot of times we think it's more information. Number one thing in the American church that has stalled out more people from getting real equipping is they think, man, I don't know enough of the Bible if I could sit in an environment where some great scholar would download to me all the truths, I would suddenly at some point have such kind of like a gas tank that needs to get filled up, and I don't know enough, I don't know enough, I don't know enough, and then some point I'll hit full and man, I'm equipped. So we have spent so much energy over teaching people with information they're not using. That's not how you grow. You don't grow by being the smartest person in the room, you grow by being the most obedient person in the room. You grow by experiential learning. It's not just information, it's experience. It's applying some of the things that you have as you step out and start using it and start growing in it, then what happens is even the information you're learning is more valuable because you're applying the information along the way. I think it's why 
You may not know this, but pastors and scholars and seminary presidents and, and all kinds of people that research this stuff, they're concerned about the younger generation. There's always a generational concern where one generation wants to see their faith transferred to the next generation. So they're always asking, can churches be multi-generational? How do you do that? There's this concept of called the nuns today, where used to we had 17-year-olds, they leave the church, they come back when they're 30, and they have kids, but now we're seeing a gap today where whatever happened when they were 17 wasn't real enough that they don't even identify with the faith of their past, so now they're just kind of this neutral person out there wondering what they actually do believe. And here's what I believe. Information alone does not transform the heart. What's happened is we have built nicer buildings with just video game suites and all kinds of Disney characters and fed pizza to the people in the back and said, we're gonna teach you the Bible verses, but you can't do the big people stuff yet. And since day one here at Milestone Church, we've said, you know what? You're not when you get saved, those triplets in this service, when you get saved, you're not waiting for a day to use your faith. You're in the game. You're part of the church, not kids' church. You're part of the environment. That's why when you come, if you haven't watched it, watch Next Generation Weekend. That's not like you take over, can we get them to pass out the bulletins? They are leaders. The people you saw on this platform are like our four string. Why? Because they're in an environment that says, use your gifts, develop your gifts, learn how to make a disciple, do the stuff. You're in the game today. I want to show you an example. If reading information and knowing information makes you use your gift, then your future worship leader, I'm already his agent, his name is Max, assigned him to a contract. I mean, I've, I've secured his future. He'll be your worship leader in 20 years. Great picture of multi-generational living. Last weekend, my redeemer lives, Miss Jeannie Rogers, in her 70s, rocked it. Talk about you're never too old and you're never too young. While she was practicing, his mom is one of our worship leaders, trains a lot of these next-gen people. My man, Max, somebody caught a little video of my man, Max, who can't read, but he shows us this concept I'm trying to communicate to you. It's more caught than it is taught. Watch more caught than taught right here from my man, Max. it is taught. 
And that's why Jesus would use the illustration that he would show that children sometimes catch the concepts of the kingdom faster than people who have a bunch of head information that they don't live. It's more caught than it is taught. The next thing we have trouble with in our culture with this is we think immediate ability. Like immediately, I'll spend a little bit of energy then get back to this, but the truth is growth, development, and equipping is revealed over time. My greatest advice to you if you say, hey, I'd like to be more equipped, I feel like I've stalled out, then find out where you stop the movement forward. When did you stop serving? When did you stop leading a group? When did you say, I'm gonna take a break? Because if you go back to that moment, then you'll probably find that's where your growth stopped. I'm teaching my daughter, who's now, she's in her permit phase, and we're working on driving. I really need to offload it to a better professional, but I kind of, one of the things I'm teaching her is, it's better if the car's moving to steer it. So she, she gets locked up, you know, and if the car goes off, there's no power steering. It's like, ah! You know, it's like movement makes it a little easier to steer. So don't quit. Let me just encourage you. If you don't quit, you keep engaging, you'll be surprised over time at what God will do through your life. The next one is we have this idea of personal discovery, but the Bible context is more team. It's more a communal understanding. It's more we, like most of this book that we're reading in Ephesians, it speaks to us in our individual relationship, but it sets it in the context of we. There's so much we, which is hard for our rugged individualistic culture to understand. Can I encourage you, if you're struggling with the Bible, you should read it on your own, but you'll learn a lot studying it with others, living it with others. This chapter that we're reading here, there's some good stuff at the end of it. I read it to our staff in the middle of the craziness of our world. You know, it talks about how we talk, slander and bias. I remember reading it to our staff meeting and saying, hey, here's the word of God on how we talk and how we relate. To practice those passages, you have to have relationships with others that you're walking that out. And many of the things that we're exhorted to, the one another's of the Bible, you can't find out if you're prideful. You can't find out if you're a gossip. You can't find out if you're easily offended unless you're studying the scriptures and living the kingdom in a team concept. I think of the church sometimes, if you might bear with me, I kind of think of it kind of like a gym. Just forgive me, Lord, if I'm being sacrilegious. But I kind of think of it like a gym because the gym is one of those places if you're very under-equipped, you're very intimidated. Because you roll up in there and, I mean, there's these people got all these outfits on and there's some dude over there. I always think of this, you know, you just, it's your first time at a gym and you're like, ah. And you walk in, there's a guy, he ate a chicken for breakfast, you know. His biceps just like, ah, hey, welcome. You know, and you're like, ah. Where's the Barbie dumbbells? I mean, y'all have yoga? I mean, what? And, and people feel that way when you come to church because what we have pictured is everybody in here is so fully equipped. They're just rah, rah, rah. And, and, and you have to make an atmosphere. We try to here at Milestone to always be considerate of that person who's like, I'm still working this out. I'm a little intimidated where you can take steps and grow. However, at some point, as you get a little help and someone shows you and hey, this ain't that bad and he doesn't really know what he's doing either and we've all had those moments, but over time, little by little, you kind of start to grow. When I was 21 years old, I was reading the Great Commission 
I was pastoring my first church. I'm like, Lord, what do you want to do with this church? What do you want to do? I, I was just looking for answers. The Great Commission jumped off the page where it emphasizes making disciples. I read a little booklet written in, a little book written in 1958. I still remember where I saw these words. It says that you have to decide where you want your ministry to count. In the momentary applause of popular recognition or the investment of your life in people like Max who will carry it on long after you're gone. It's a question of which generation are you living for? So I decided it may not be popular and there's been seasons in the life of Milestone Church where people are like, wait a minute, man, I don't really wanna learn how to lift weights. I wanna watch the pastor, the bald guy lift the weights. And there have been people say, man, I'm, I'm out on that. But I made my mind up a long, long time ago that the only church that can withstand storms, the only church that can baptize people in a pandemic, the only church that can show the full, full picture of Jesus is an equipped church. So every opportunity I get, I'm gonna appeal to the unequipped to get equipped. I'm gonna appeal to you to say, do not settle for sitting in the gym watching everybody else lift the weights because it's available for you. I wanna talk to you in my last few moments about how it works, because you're like, okay, we get built up, what does that really look like? Well, number one, being equipped makes you more stable. You, you, don't, you don't have like, I don't know what to do. I don't know the answer. Is there any spiritual person who can tell me how you're supposed to handle marriage, parenting, life, money? How do you do in your work life? What do you do? How do you, I, I don't know what to do. Can I find a spiritual person to tell me? Guess what? You can know for yourself. Then you'll get stable. That's what it says. You're no longer like an infant going, ga, ga, goo, goo. who knows the answer? Ga, 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 ga. You can grow up. You can grow up and you can know for yourself what this Bible says. You can know for yourself and be confident and not tossed about. This book will equip you. It will equip you as you live it, as you experience it, as you learn it, as you grow in it. That's why we have a grow track as a step-by-step -step process to get you engaged in church life, in Bible, and growing, and learning how to do it. And as you take steps, you'll be amazed at what will happen. 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says of itself, all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did you know it will equip you for the storm you'll face that week. It's living, it's breathing, it's active. I think about our year this year. Over my Christmas break, the Lord said, purity, purity, I'm gonna purify my church. And you know, sometimes when God talks to you, you're like, nah, 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 I didn't hear it. I'm like, Lord, surely not, you know. Man, I shared with our church, God's gonna purify us this year. I'm, well, next year we're believing for like jubilee, overflow, <laughs> blessing, yeah, come on. But man, has he purified us. And then I shared with our team, I said, I think God wants me to speak on for several weeks a house that's built on the sand and a house that's built on the rock and when the winds blow, which house stands. I want you to know there are houses that have stood through the last several months and there are houses that have been blown away. You know why? They were not equipped. They spent all their energy getting equipped in things that don't matter. And the things that do matter, they're building on sand. And then, whoo, God can help you rebuild if that's happened to you. 
But I would encourage you to get as intense about your spiritual equipping as you are about every other thing in your life. You can get stable. Here's the second thing. Being equipped helps you discover and develop your gift. Every person listening to me, Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave gifts to us. Every person listening to me, you have gifts, you have a gift, you have a deposit, God put some stuff inside of you, there's the best version of who he's created you to be, they're living inside of you. The question is, have you developed them? Are you using them? Do you even know what they are? I meet so many people, I'm amazed. They don't even know what their gift is in the kingdom of God. God wants you to know, because when you start understanding that, you start using that. I know when I say equip, some of you are like, oh man, that's just going to be like this boring church stuff. He's just trying to get volunteers, like I ain't got time for that, you know, I don't want to do that. I know I said ain't, my wife corrects me that, it's, 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 it's bad grammar and good preaching, but anyway. No, 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 no. It's how God made you. When you use your gift, you find a sense of fulfillment. There's been studies on this, even in the secular world, that are tapping into God's plan. When you're using your gift, you have intense passion. You have moments of genius when you're using your gift. You're like, wow, how am I even doing this? Why, because God made you. God did it. It's amazing to watch when someone uses their gift. It's like there's a sense of fulfillment when you're using your gift, and more importantly, when you're using it to advance the kingdom of God. But it's not just, oh, I feel good. It's like, I feel really fulfilled when I sing. There's only one problem. You can't sing. Come on now. I know your mom told you you could, but we appreciate you like to sing, but there's also a level of effectiveness that comes too. When it's God's gift in you, there'll be fruitfulness too, not just fulfillment. There'll be effectiveness for the kingdom. I I love to tell stories of people in our church. By the way, if you haven't picked up on this, there's a pattern. We celebrate the people getting equipped in our church. Not, not, not the popular people, not the people that everybody, no, 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 we promote and celebrate every one of you when you get it and get equipped. We love to talk about it. I think about a guy, Brian Culver, who came in our church, he served with young people. He's leading teams of young people, leading retreats, leading camps, leading weekday services, 15, 16, 17 year olds. Let me tell you something, that'll test your team building skills. And he's training these young people And again, a lot of times there's such a disconnect in our world that we think, oh, he's just trying to get volunteers and then we serve in the church and that's disconnected from our everyday lives. No, 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 we are the church. And I love a volunteer environment. Corporate America, let me tell you something, could use people getting involved in the church so they have to work with volunteers where you can't send an email that says compliance is not optional. And it makes for better leaders. Brian, after learning in the church, felt a call to step in. He started working at Lockheed, and he got promoted over a a three-and-a-half-year period. He's now managing 47 employees. They're supposed to add 13 more. He's going to have 60 employees. And I know Brian. I know his heart, and I know how he served young people, and I know how he learned about coordinating retreats and setting up things and sending out an email. Come on now. We've all sent that email, and it's crickets. You need to do this. No, nobody responds. It's the end times. I mean, it's the end times. Nobody wants to serve God. Come on now. But no, he learned how to reach out to people and lead through influence and serve them. And the way you treat them is how they treat you. And I bet those 47 employees that work for him at Lockheed are saying, I'm glad that that guy is leading me. We don't have to put a picture of Jesus on Facebook to change the world. Nothing wrong with it. 
But it isn't about putting a fish on our car. It's about going in every single day and serving people in whatever context you're in, wherever you are, not just in the building of the church, but this should be an incubator and an environment of training and equipping that sends you out into your every day to show a dark world what Jesus looks like and how Jesus operates in the way he responds to people. The third and final thing, I know I've said it some, but I want you to really get in it by emphasis. Being equipped benefits every part of your life. It's not a segmented part. Okay, I study the Bible on Sunday, but it doesn't affect my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Getting equipped and living the Bible and serving with people and reaching out to people and growing and being a part of an environment where people pray for you and there's a team and you have to get over offenses and you have to work with people and situations and you grow and you start understanding who God is and who you are and you learn your gift and you start using that gift and you start developing that gift, it influences every single part of your life. Think about a guy named Wade Carroll. Came into our church, God touched him in a powerful way. He went to our Freedom Weekend, got freedom. He got a group of guys, got iron sharpens iron, started going to a Bible study, growing in the word, developing. God did some things in his marriage, his children who were young then, who are now serving God. All these different things began to happen. And he came for a season and said, I need to get closer to the environment. I need to invest so that I can grow. He got on a facilities team. He's changing light bulbs, helping. Pastor Ron Stagel, our campus pastor at Hazlitt, started working with him. And over time, as he came here and moved here to be a firefighter and paramedic at South Lake Fire Department, thank God for our first responders, he ends up getting promoted to engineer. Then he becomes the deputy fire chief for a season of time. He then gets moved over as the fire chief of Trophy Club, and now he's the assistant town or city manager in Trophy Club. Am I saying if you get equipped, you'll never lose your job and you'll always get promoted? No. What I am saying is, though, there's a correlation between the kingdom of God is not just inside the four walls of the church. The kingdom of God is advancing God's agenda, God's purpose in the earth, happens when you move out from that place of equipping. What's my job? To equip you. So my question is, are you being equipped? And what responsibility do you have to engage with that process? Those of you online, we're thankful to bring you services online. Some of you have to, you have medical issues and we don't condemn you for that, but even online, you can come out of anonymity and reach out just like the lady there reached out to the prayer team, reached out to someone. One-way communication of teaching will not equip you by itself. There has to be a process of engagement and developing any more than me talking about lifting weights every week for 35 or 40 minutes is gonna make you a weightlifter. Some point, you gotta get over there and start getting the bar. Wade, I remember the day. I said, man, it's time you get off the bench and get in the game, man. It's time for you to get involved in using your gifts. Did you know I didn't know that? It wasn't just that he would help our facilities team. Quite honestly, we had a facilities team. It was that God was saying to him, you need to get equipped for what I have for you tomorrow. For what God had prepared for him, he needed that season to develop his gifts and skills and leadership for God to use him in those environments. So I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet. Some of you listen to me online. Your first step is you have to say yes to Jesus. 
You have to commit yourself to him. You know you're not right with him. And when I talked about the gospel message of Jesus, where we surrender to him and receive his life, all you have to say is Jesus, and you have to mean it from your heart. Jesus, I know I've missed the mark. I know that I'm not right with you, but I receive your death, your burial, your resurrection. I confess you today as my Lord. That's your first step to God bringing stability in your home, your work, your kids, everything. Really, it's your whole future. You don't receive Jesus just for what he can do for you. You receive him because he has made the way for you to have a life and a relationship with God. And no matter what you face, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's there for you. Just say, I receive you, Jesus. Become my Lord and Savior. I commit myself to you. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to let us know so we can help you now in your journey. But there's others of you here. I'm praying if there's one person listening to me that today's message ignited a fire in you to say, I'm no longer just going to listen to preachers preach, download podcasts, but I'm going to get equipped. I'm going to get trained. I'm going to find out my gift. I'm going to engage. I'm going to begin to grow. I'm gonna begin to become who God's called me to be. If one person does that, we're one step closer to that vision that Paul painted in Ephesians. One step closer. It is God's plan. So Lord, I pray for the courage. I pray for it not to just be an emotional moment, but I pray that really for all of us, you never stop growing and developing and becoming equipped in who you've called us to be. So we are submitted to you, our Lord, Use us, grow us, develop us, lead us, and guide us. Ephesians 4.12 is the picture. It's the picture of the Bible. It says this, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.